This is Comic Picks by the Glick. Hey, I'm your host, Jason Glick. How are you doing, Jason Glick? I'm doing just good, John, and yourself? Not too bad. Cool. So, yeah, we had some good times a couple weeks back when we went to um, WonderCon for a couple hours. Yes, it's like a small, tiny Comic Con. <laughs> Com- Comic Con minus um, the huge amounts of bullshit that have, that have um, um, accumulated around the con- that con over the years. Yes, so if you like less bullshit, you might want to try it. So, how was it? Yeah, well, it's like, I mean, like, I had fun just walking around the, uh, it's like the various booths with, with you on the on the dealer's floor. We didn't actually get around to seeing any uh, panels because there wasn't anything that screened out must-see. But, you know, we, we walked around for a little while, and then we, uh, you know, just went our separate ways. And um, I bought a bunch of stuff that I'm going to be talking about in a couple minutes. Yeah, it's good to see... Um you know, uh, a lot of the independent artists and smaller labels, uh, just like I just like I cruised at Comic Con. Uh, Comic Con, you know, it was good to see them there. Um, you know, oh, uh, like like the guy who was selling those Japanese um woodblock style um prints of um video games and anime. Oh yeah, those were good too. That definitely, uh, I I got one of you know, I, yeah, you got one and I got one. Yeah, um, you got you got the Princess Mononoke one. Mm-hmm. I got um Sabin from Final Fantasy VI. Mm-hmm. Um, suplexing the the ghost train, which yes. is awesome. From which the guy actually said, "Oh, you got the reference." So. Yeah, it's like he really. <laughs> I was like, I'm like like one of the only people who, who recognized like this is what um the photo the photo was. So it's like I mean the the pic the the picture was. So yeah. it was that was cool. Yeah, that is cool. You know, I mean, they had a video of this guy. You know, he had a video uh, right there. Showing, you know, how he made some of these, and this is just pretty. It's pretty awesome. You can also see it on DeviantArt. Um, I actually looked it up, um, and uh, you can find his designs on there as well. But uh, not the video, and I didn't see a place where you could buy the prints. Yeah, but... the thing is, like, it's Jed Henry. Like, mm-hmm. just looking at the uh, bottom of the print. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, that was that was pretty that was pretty cool. That was like the one non comics thing that I picked up at the yeah. at, at the convention. Well, I saw John Snyder sitting out there. <laughs> so and people's like, you know who John Snyder is, right? Wait, the guy from Dukes of Hazard? Yeah, guy from Dukes of Hazard. Wow. He was out on the floor, but I guess he's there's some other things that he's been. Oh, involved he's a, he was in. also in Smallville. I think he yes. Was, um, <laughs> yeah, he was he was Clark Kent's um, young Clark Kent's dad, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. That's that's but that's more. He, he it wasn't there so much for his uh, Dukes of Hazard fame, but he is probably more for there for that. So. Oh damn it! I just I just dated this John, didn't I? Yes, sir. That's all right. Wisdom age gives you wisdom, and that's what you impart to us each week here. So, um, but yeah, I basically and we're running with that with that theory right there. Oh, we're totally running with that theory. Um, but yeah, in, in a nutshell, I did enjoy Com, um, WonderCon, <laughs> and uh, you know, I look forward to going back next year. Yeah, well, like I said, we were only there for a couple hours, but you know, it's like we had a good time. It's like I mean, it's like it was like we had a good. It, we had a, we had fun just hanging out there. It's like, and I got a I got a bunch of stuff that you know I figured, hey, you know, like I can base a podcast around this. Yeah, a little bit more low key, and I like that sometimes, though. You know, the way uh, you know comic conventions used to be back in the day. Is that dating me too? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, I thought all conventions were just crowded and hot and like the economy section of an airplane. Okay, uh, no, not necessarily, but. Um, outside of that, what do you have for us tonight? Okay, well, starting with the big ticket item that I picked up, and um, I want to say that, you know, except for one thing, all of the stuff that I'm going to be talking about here, I got for half off, because I, as you, 
like as longtime readers know, it's like I tend to roll. It's like in the in the half off bins, just like you know, or just like the booths sell stuff for fifty percent off because you know that's just like a great deal. I mean, it's like just there's some stuff that you know I'm just not gonna I'm looking to go. No, it's like no, it's yeah maybe all right, but you know I don't think I want to spend like that much on it. Like even with with the Amazon discount, but at the same time, it's like you know, it's like when you get when you cut fifty percent off a pri- off a cover price, that kind of gets it's in my range of okay, that's a good deal. I can just pick this up, whatever. Even when it's something as expensive as the Borges, mind you, this is a sixty dollar hardcover from Dark Horse that was um meant basically published as a companion to their um Milo Manara library. Now, this is this is something I've had my eye on for a while. Because, but you know, at sixty bucks, it's like holy shit, man! It's like I'm not sure it's worth. It's, it, it can be that good. And you know what? I was right. Um, it's like, but at thirty bucks, you know, it's worth it just for um, for Minara's um, incredibly gorgeous um, de- depiction of Renaissance. It's like a Renaissance era Italy. It's like and um, Jodorowsky's um, typically over the top and crazy script. Because as the name implies, this is about the infamous um, the infamous crime family of the. It's like of the era. It's like how, and um, fans of Assassin's Creed may remember um, punching the um, like um, punching um, Pope Rodrigo Borgia like out like in order to um, beat beat the game. But um, but it's really but it's just like a good. It's a it's a fun um, trashy trashy gloriously trashy and sexy read. It's like as as um, Jodorowsky um, details um, Rodrigo's um, rise to power as it's like it's like as Pope. It's like and how and his um. It's like and how he um uses his his um family to um it's like to, um secure secure power secure as much power as he can possibly have. It's like yes he as he acknowledges in the introduction it's basically um an allegory for modern times, but it's filled with so much um sex sex and violence that's like it's that same time it's it's uh, it's still a pretty entertaining read. It's like um it's like um overall um I mean it's like and yeah it's so yeah on one hand it's great I mean like yeah the writing writing is solid the um. Translation by Dark Horse is is definitely more lively and readable than um, other um, translations of European um, graphic novels I've seen, and Minara's um, artwork is fantastic. I mean, you, I mean, if you're aware of his reputation, yeah, he's he's big on the female form and sex, and yeah, it's it's him, and and, and it's him just like you know, completely in his element here, and it work, and for the most part, it's like it, like it's 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 a great it's an entertaining read. Up until the last um, ten pages or so, when um, it's like it's like when um, apparently um, Yoroski realizes that oh shit I've we're at the end of the end of the store end of the four volumes um we've we've been allotted um I guess I should wrap this up now and um, he does yeah uh, and it's like well it's, it's just kind of disappointing in the sense that you you've been you've been like along for the ride for the ride with the with this family for. And seeing there how they've just been completely um, like trotted over all sorts of decency and good taste for the most of the volume, and then in the very end you just see them just you know suck it. It's like as um, everything goes wrong for them all at once, and it's just this just like an afterthought in the sense that it's a genuine we gotta wrap this up now ending, and it's like all the more disappointing for it. So really, um, there's some stuff that I've like paid half price for and I thought, you know, hey, it's like I would have paid full price for the price for this gladly. Um the Borges, you know, thirty dollars or half half price for this um is just about just about right for what it has for what it has to offer. You know, assuming you're you're um 
like you're into um, either Yodorowsky or Minata. Now, um, also, um, go, also like you know, going from the hideously overpriced is um, would you pay twenty bucks for a uh, comic book about what invincible main character Mark Grayson reads in comics? Well. It's like, it, well, it's like, if you are, then I'm sure um, Kirkman appreciates your uh, charity because that's what he charged for the uh, $20 hardcover of Science Dog, done with um, original Invincible artist Corey Walker. Science Dog is the main character of Mark Grayson's favorite comic, and this is basically like, basically like a um, exercised um, story like about the character, and it's, you know, it's not bad. And since it, you know, there's a, like, it's a, there's a, there's a bunch of time, there's bunch of time travel involved as um, science dog winds up whiffing it. It's like in fighting against one of his one of his arch nemeses, and then winds have winds up having to go back in time a couple times in order to um, finally um, deliver a future that um, that he's able that that he's able to live with. So you know, it's like for, for as a ten dollar hardcover, it's like yo, know, that's I guess it's it's not bad, but twenty twenty bucks for this, you know, it's not that great i mean it's it's a decent decent superior story and of decent curiosity um, value to um to invincible fans then yeah it's like then sure but like i said this is like fun but only for the converted and um before if you think i'm going to um, make a habit of saying hey you know this is great if it's if it, like, as long as it was all like um like half of its cover price well this next one i'm not sure um how worthwhile it would be even though it's Basically, the um the story that put Nick Spencer on the map at Image. Now, Spencer is the guy who gave us um the um may may actually be be all right in the end um Morning Glories and also one of my favorite comic Marvel comics of recent years on the Superior Foes of Spider Man. Um, but um he but he first um hit it big with the Infinite Vacation, the story of a the story of a guy um guy named Mark. Um, lives in a world where you can buy and sell your way through um, through alternate universes. Basically, say you want to uh, like go through a universe where you're like where you actually like you know um, decided to um, like um, say hit on the girl at at at, um, at the bar at closing time. Well, hey, for the right amount of money, you can do just that. Or if you want to just hang out with your um, with your alternate universe self who decided to open up a surfing shop in Hawaii, hey, that's possible too. But um, with but with but with Mark, it turns out that um, his like his alternate universe cells are getting um, murdered um, one by it's like one by one it's like, uh, like at an astonishing rate like even for like a you know, uh, a universe full of infinite universes so so it's a matter of, like of him having to find out just why um, he's being targeted for this and also um, what does this one girl uh, have to do the, the one girl that he um, spotted one day have to um, it's like have to do with all this. Now, it's a fascinating concept, though I kind of wish that um Spencer had dived a bit more, dug a bit more into it. And since you know, like if you once you buy a, like a universe, like you know, what happens to the guy already living there? I mean, does he just go, hey, you know what? I'd rather, you know, I would rather um not give this universe to the guy who is um, it's like like who is um jumping in to get a quickie in the um air, like airplane bathroom. So like it's you know, stuff, stuff like that. And also, um, the art is by um, Christian Ward, who is now um, teaming with Matt Fraction for um, um, ODYC. And it's—I've never been big into his um, his his, um, his watercolor like expressionistic stuff, and it's—and it just doesn't grab me here. And 
in the end, though, it's like, I mean, yeah, it's like the uh, the whole system winds up becoming undone, and like there's some there's some definitely clever bits as um, like as Mark manages to unite his alternate universe selves into helping him out um, to uh, say to, to save his ass and up in, like up in the people who are running the whole scheme, but you know it's like it's one of those like in the end like you know hey this fantastic idea is just basically um, thrown to the side because hey you know it's like I do it just. It's like I'm going to do it just because of this woman I love, you know that kind of thing. It's just it's it's a trope, and it just feels just like like a like a real cop out, in the sense that you know, hey, it's like you know this this has worked a lot for all these other stories, and it's going to work here. But no, it just feels like Spencer was just kind of phoning it in at the end, and you know, it's like he's going to do like much better stuff. So I'm glad that. Um, it's like I started with um, stuff like Morning Glories and um, Superior Foes of Spider-Man rather than this, which still exists as a $25 hardcover. And it's definitely not worth it um, either like at cover price or in its like or or for um for twelve fifty. Yeah. And then now we come to stuff that's, you know, I that you know like, hey, that um that I believe the nostalgia critic would term was, was this real? I mean Robocop versus Terminator. Yes, this was an actual comic. And when you hear this, you think, well, gee, they also got whoever was um, not busy at Dark Horse that day to write this, write and illustrate this, right? Wrong. This was written by Frank back when he still had it, Miller, and illustrated by Walter, still still never lost it, um, Simonson. So, yeah, it's it actually reads pretty well and looks fantastic. It's basically, um, Miller actually weaves in the uh, history of Terminator um, pretty pretty well into the uh, the Robocop mythos in the sense that Alex Murphy turned out to be the missing link between Skynet and um world it's like and dominant it's like and, and dominance of the time of the timeline and um it's like in the story the story basically charts how it's like how the time timeline goes back and forth between as it tries to, as people, people and Terminators from the future try to, um, like, change the past in order to avert this, like, like you know, avert the, uh, the robots taking over. I mean, it's like, it's, so it's, so I mean, it's pretty funny. I mean, like, if you've, I mean, if you've never liked Miller, then this isn't going to change your mind, obviously. But if you, like, but if you, if you remember the days of back when, um, like, everything he did was worth reading, then, you know, this is definitely something you're going to want to add like it's like add to your collection. It's like, especially with Sim- Simonson's art, which um really does a great job just nailing the, it's like, it's like the high the high tech high tech um grit of it's like a Ro- Robocop. It's like and some of the more it's like you know es- like esoteric and you know cyberspace vi- like journeys of Al- of Alex Murphy. It's like it's yeah it it's, I I definitely say this is probably something that that hails from the land of far better than it has a right to be, even if like you know you have to you do kind of have to allow for the uh, um, looseness that uh, Miller plays with the uh, with how time travel works because like hey basically um, his theory his way he thinks it works is that you know if you've changed it if you change time you've got a couple minutes in order to change to escape your timeline and change it back and you know that's that that's not how it works sorry. Sorry, Frank, but no. But um, but if you can get past that, then yeah, it's it's good fun. Yeah. Now, moving over to the soft cover stuff. Um, I, one of the things I picked up was the first volume of Archer and Armstrong, which is basically a, a like a deleted the reboot of um, 
It's like a va- of um, Valiant's, uh, one of Valiant's old titles from the 90s. Now, I picked up, um, like, the actual Man of War um, reboot, first, the first volume of that, like, um, last year, and I was left unimpressed. Uh, this version, however, actually, I was pretty entertained by, because basically, basically the... Um, because Archer is basically a uh, like a brainwashed a member of the uh, member of the Tea Party of a Tea Party family who is trying to kill like Arms like Armstrong an immortal an immortal boozer who apparently has the uh, it's like like the like the one thing that his family needs in order to um, achieve its dominance over like over the world. It's written by um, Fred Fred Van Lent with art by Clayton Henry. It's like and um and as expected um Van Lent turns in a pretty like a pretty entertaining and witty. With his script, like that, even though this, this is only four issues long, it still still manages to be pretty pretty fun. I mean, I'm not sure it's like if I'm gonna wanna I like pay continue to pay full price for um the four issues of the full price series, but it's like it does make me regret I'm not picking up the entire series when it was on sale on Comicsology a couple couple months back. So hey, definitely something I'm gonna be, I'll probably be picking up more of in the future. Um. Probably through um successive um comic um, visits to uh, comic cons like comic con, okay. And because it's impossible for me to um basically go to a comic con that has a half off bin and not pick up something that's Batman related, I got I got a copy of Batman Dark Knight Dark City, collection of so of eight issues of um quote unquote classic um uh, Batman stories um by um Peter Milligan. Now Milligan. Is the kind of guy that should be whispered, whose name should be um, in whispered in the same hallowed tones as Neil Gaiman, um, Grant Morrison, and Garth Ennis for um, bringing um, for like basically like bringing um, mature reader stuff to the masses with Invertigo in the it's like back in the nineties. Um, but the thing is, but the reality is that unlike the other those other writers I mentioned, Milligan has always been the most um, inconsistent like of the. It's like of like of of this group. I mean, it's like you you can um either hope that you're getting something like you know as entertaining as Sh- as Shade the Changing Man or his X Force run, or you get something like really inconsistent like um like his X Men run, or it's like or any of the uh, Vertigo stuff that he's done in recent in recent memory. Batman Dark Knight Dark City um is kind of a middle ground here in the sense that the uh, first three the uh, it's a the uh, the title story is a three-parter involving the Riddler as he um tricks um Batman through into um it's like it's like into completing a demonic ritual that will allow him to um to, to rule Gotham City by unleashing it by unleashing a demon. Now it's it's worth noting that the uh, that the stuff um, established here like especially the uh, history of like you know, people in Gotham summoning a back in the uh, 1800s summoning a demon participating in a demonic ritual, is actually um, touched upon by Grant Morrison in his Batman run, because everything was true there. But um, and but and even though if even if you're thinking that you know this is way this is like way too crazy even for the Riddler, it's still kind of fun in the sense that once in the end, once um, Riddler reveals that all the crazy stuff he's had Batman do was actually part of the uh, like like of this of this ritual, like whether it's you know like performing an emergency tracheotomy on a baby or jumping in front of a in front of a goat. Um, no, it's part of. It's actually part of the plan. It's like it's, it, it's it's silly. It's it's just goofy enough to be entertaining. So that's so that's the first arc, though. The rest of the stories are probably would have read a lot better. 
it's like had I grabbed them like back when they came out, I would have been, you know, it's like more interested in seeing you know Batman like facing like like hung like gra- hungry grass from Ireland that caused um so they caused hallucinations or facing a um like a Jewish golem um with tie like someone by a man with ties to the Holocaust and fi- fighting some right, white supremacists. It's like and also um it's like a uh, and a story in the end with um you know. Like um, like Bruce Wayne um being confused by like whether or not Batman is it's like what why see here when Batman is out out in the city fighting crime, it's kind of it's kind of fun. It reminds me of that um that episode of Batman the animated series where um it's like where we found out where um, Batman was um mind control into thinking that from by the Riddler that's not by um Mad Hatter but it's like I said it's it's not bad like I said it's it. Like I guess if you're um, partial to Milligan's um, brand brand of eccentricity and weirdness, it'll probably probably go down a lot better than if you're just looking for like a, a good straightforward Batman story. Because even when it's like even if you could accuse Miller of phoning it in here, uh, sorry Milligan of phoning it in here, which I don't think he really does. Um, it's like his his eccentricities are probably it's like may just like are, will be enough to like turn off the uh, the unconverted. Now. One surprise I, I got when I was um, rooting through these bins was, hey, was um, Strange, The Doctor is Out, which is a Doctor Strange miniseries written by Mark Wade. I completely forgotten that this had actually happened. And so I figured, hey, sure, I definitely want to check this out. Now, basically it involves, um, it takes place during the, um, during the time when, in, um, the, like, if you remember Brian Benson's New Avengers run, you notice that there was a point when um, Strange basically um, lost his mojo and one looking for a new sorcerer supreme. That's pretty much what's what's happening here. This is that he's he's lost his mojo, um, but even if he still has his knowledge of the mystic arts, but he winds up um, teaming up with a uh, let's see with a with a, with a new girl with a young girl who is um, it's like who is just like you know completely completely irritated with life. It's like and just wants to uh, it's like and is looking for some, something new to try. It's like. And so they, and so they um, wind up wind up bonding over a um, demonically possessed baseball baseball game. It's like and um, it's like and dealing with a uh, with a demon from another dimension or the dimension where all of the stuff that's strange causes to vanish is sent. And then um, it's like and then a uh, then also a uh, another another demonically possessed um, <laughs> beauty um, child beauty pageant, which is yeah, it kind of dates this thing. It's a book a bit, but it's still, but it's still pretty fun. Even if there are some parts with, um, with um, Emma Rios's art that um, just kind of like the story just kind of like, you know it looks like it's going one direction and then it just jerks in another another way that it doesn't. Certainly, it's it's nice for the most part. She's good with the demons, but there are some parts of the storytelling just kind of breaks down every once every once in a while. I honestly uh, wouldn't have minded seeing. Um, like a full-on Doctor Strange series, um, like on by like by Wade and Rios, but um, well, especially considering how um his like how his Daredevil run turned out, but that was that's apparently not in the cards. Um, as far as Strange miniseries go, um, the Brian Vaughn Marcos Martin series, um, The Oath is still your best bet, but Strange Doctor is out. Hey, if you want a good series, good Strange story after that. I'd say that's worth your time. Yeah. All right. Now we come to the image comics portion, or the um, well, coming back to the image comics portion, like of this podcast, because like this, 
this is where I got um, that I picked up um, the first song of Wayward by um, Jim Zub and Stephen Cummings. It's about a girl. It's about a girl named Rory Lane, um, Japanese Irish, who is uh, going back to Japan to live with her mom after things with her dad just didn't work out. So, and and to the story's credit, it captures the uh, the exotic nature of Japan and how alien it can be for someone who just uh, who has not lived there before. It's like and ha- it's like and just like all, like all the and all the weirdness it it's like it ha- has to offer, especially when um when Rory um starts like cat. Encounters a cat, a cat girl, a guy who eats demons, and a kid living in the subway who's got some strange sonic powers. It's like, yeah, there's, she's, she's got some, she's got some like some powers that um that allow her to see how how the world is bound bound together. They're tied to her mom. It's like who's part of this like weaving operation, and then there's this guy who is trying. It's like who was like masterminding the whole thing and kills her mom. It's like, and oh wow, this series is just like you know trying to cram way too much stuff into it's like into its first volume. I mean I know that yeah you know, like the first couple issues first arc of a series can really like make a breaker series a title. But um it just kind of feels like you know like that um Zub was just moving way too fast with this. I mean there's some there are definitely some fun some fun bits. Um like Zub is good with the humor. It's like and Cummings I um has some great action. He captures the look of the uh it's like think of Tokyo quite well. I mean, he's living there after all. But um, like as it, as it is, it's like, it just feels like there was just like too much, like I said, just too much going on um, and it's like it's just moving way, way too fast to really be um, as, as entertaining as it should be. I may pick up future volumes of this but, well, you probably can guess where I'll be picking them up at. Alright, now we come to two volumes Two um, series by um, by one writer, um, Joshua Williamson, who um, apparently is an up and coming writer like in the industry. Get, he's getting um, some jobs at Marvel as well. But well, I mean, good for him. But I can't say that he's got that. I that he's that he's someone who I'm going to buy everything that he writes um, just because right now. Um, the series I like more of the two that I got, Birthright, has the a clever idea of just showing like a kid who is spirited away to a fantasy realm, and um, you know it's like, hey, it's a plot to an eighties to an eighties film. Great, like good job right there. But then um, it shows you what happens when he comes back to the world he left, year like de- age decades, and now be- now is some sort of Conan type character. Who is trying to um, save his world from future from future destruction by the people who by the evil beings who uh, like who took over his world? Well, that's only half the story because it turns out that there's something he's not telling his um, family, who eventually recognizes that you know this is the son we left, that son that would disappeared from us years ago, and um, it's and while the uh, like that end end of ish, end of first issue reveal is quite is quite interesting. It's like I can't say that it's like I'm really like completely like hooked by this series so far. It's like I mean it's like it tells tells a parallel story, basically um showing how how the how our main main guy was basically um how how he grew how he grew up to be like the hero in his, this fantasy world, and then how he's um basically um like advancing his own agenda in like in the modern day. So it's so it's not bad, and the art by um. On, Andre Brasson is is pretty is pretty sweet too. Like he's great with the he's great with the action. He's he's got a great handle on the fantasy stuff. So it's so it's it's pretty good overall. And the uh, I will 
with the first volume, it's like um, ends on a night on a pretty interesting cliffhanger. It's still better than um, Nailbiter, which, um, well, it's basically a big, um, it's just a big assemblage of um, serial killer cliches um, tied into a story. And um, hey, John, okay, John's um, busy. yes, hey, John, all right, how much? How much? You're, we're not supposed to talk about exactly where we are, right? Right. Okay. Well, because the one thing I liked about Nailbiter is that it actually takes place where we are. Cool. Well, okay. <laughs> the, the first, the first part of the, the first part of the story does. I mean, the main killer is is apprehended pretty much where John, around the area where John and I live, and um, then the then our main, it's like then our main character, um, um, black, uh, mil. Navy interrogator who um, killed a guy during an interrogation once um, winds up um, tracking him back, winds up working on um, following his, his partner's semi-crazy ramblings about how this one Oregon city has just seen given birth to like some 27 serial killers, which on one hand, that, that's a uh, okay, that's a that, yeah, that, that is a hook for a story, but at the same time it's a ridiculous hook for a story because 27 serial killers? For fuck's sake, man. Someone would have noticed this and um, said something about it um, bef- like long before that, you know, these guys, these guys did. I mean, it's like, I mean, like, and then you get to the, um, like, like their, um, their back, their backgrounds and you get like the guy, like the book burner, the guy who um, set a library on fire to kill a bunch of people and, um, and like, jeez. It's like I don't know. I'm having trouble remembering a lot of these guys, but the, trust me, they were just really ridiculous. And like the main character, like the top character, the nail biter. Well, he's just you know, big old like one big old like um, serial killer cliche wrapped into one. Like he's 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 white. He's charming. He's kind of creepy. And um, oh, he, it turns out that he was able to get off for reasons that get um, be acquitted of his crime for reasons that are completely unexplained. I mean, yeah, they catch him um, chewing on some dead guy's finger fingernails and yet he's still able to um be acquitted of all all the crimes i mean it's ridiculous and um even though i hear that um brian bendis um shows up in the um volume after this as a as a character in the story i don't know why he's lending his name to this because it's it's really it's it's schlock and it's it's, it's cheeseball schlock so far but that um i that i'm kind of surprised is is nearing its um, 25th issue so far so there you go now, to f- wrap things up, the one thing I, I actually did pay um, full, full price for was the one manga I picked up at the, at the con, and that would be Volume 3 of the Heroic Legend of Arslan, um, Kurt, which is coming to us from Full Metal Alchemist creator um, Hiromu Arakawa. And this continues the story of Arslan it's like as he, as he, as he um, works with the, peop- the people who, who, um, who support him, and it's like, in order to, um, it's like, in order to get um, retake, retake his kingdom and um, find it's like and find out just you know why 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 his um like why why his kingdom of Ectabane was attacked. Now, on one hand, this does does offer up some some good action. Shows you that his um sh- shows you that his um his, his strategist Darian is definitely a guy who is or not Darian um Narcissus is the is a strategist and the um god awful painter. Um, Darian is the um, soldier badass supporting him. It's like, and uh, we get some more like people joining his cause. And um, one turns out one of the bad guys from the first couple of volumes does meet 
on top of the fate, but he unfortunately he dies before like really contributing anything of genuine use to the plot. Even however, we do get a big reveal. It's like at the end, we find out just why um the guy in the silver mask is um it's like is pissed off at um it's like at the former leader of Ectobania. Overall, it's good stuff. And um the reason I haven't I didn't buy it before now is because well, <sighs> it's like. It's um, published um, quite slowly, and so if I buy, if I go out and buy volume four now, well, that means I'm just going to be stuck waiting until the next volume. So, so good, so overall good stuff. And um, now, and this isn't everything that I bought at the con, but well, this is basically why I keep buying stuff at conventions. Get lots of good stuff. Yeah, some crap as well. But hey, at least it's crap you didn't, I didn't, I didn't pay all that much for. So, so you, so you didn't lose much. In, Lose much in the end. It's like, and um, probably we won't be getting one of these um, like the, again for Comic Con. But hey, maybe maybe another one like this next next time for uh, next time we go to, to WonderCon. Okay, John, um, any thoughts on your end? So you're recommending um, the uh, RoboCop versus or the RoboCop and Terminator uh, comic that you picked up? Yes, I mean, it's like I, uh, I'm not sure if I can. I mean, like it. If you like um, Simonson and um, Miller, then yeah, go ahead and pick it up in hardcover. Um, otherwise, um, look for a deep, deep, look for a good discount, like I did. I mean, it's like, like I said, it's you wouldn't expect something like that to be to be um, as entertaining as it, I wasn't expecting something like that to be as entertaining as it was. But um, it turned out to be, but um, turned out to be like it's a, it, it does kind of hail from the land of far better than it has a than it has a right to be. Yeah, because you read the title and you're like. This sounds kind of cheesy. <laughs> yeah, it's like you hear you hear that go, really? Yeah, really? Yeah, exactly. But you're saying that they did a good job of of making the story connect. So yeah, as at like as Dark Horse, I mean, as Dark Horse um, does, it's like they it, it's like Dark Horse um, basically elevated the art of um, of um, producing tie-in um, t- media tie-in comics, and um, this definitely bear, bears the evidence. Like bear, bears their mark, even though it's it's co co published with um Boom Comics now because Boom has the right to a RoboCop, as I understand it. Gotcha, co published though, so cool. Um, so what do you have for us next time? Uh, next time is going to be um all about um Tsutomu Nihei's um Knights of Sidonia because I got as I'm recording this, um like volume fifteen just arrived, and so I'm looking forward to seeing how how it all wraps up. All right, sounds great. I'll talk. We'll talk to you next time on Comic Fix by the Glick. Later. Bye-bye.